What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Welcome to Creature Feature, production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host, of many parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show, it's another listener questions episode. Happy New Year, every guys. <laughs> every guys. Happy New Year, every guys. I talk good and normal. That's, this is going to be the new way that I talk in 2022. Hope you guys like it. So, yeah, I wanted to start off the new year with some listener questions we got a whole bunch of new creature features coming up in the year you know every wednesday and so on uh but yeah i'm uh probably right now as you're listening to this i'm probably full of some kind of beverage eating some kind of snacks so uh you know i'll be back in the saddle pretty soon i think Next week, I'm going to air a creature classic that I pull out from the archives, from the archives, from the old vintage, the cellar, the pod cellar, where I've got a bunch of pods aging and brewing and growing mold, but tasteful mold, mold that you find on fancy cheese. So look forward to that. I hope you guys all had a good holiday season. Oh, let's let's get right into it. Let me answer some of your questiones. Hi, Katie. Please hear me out. I love my pets. They are annoying. They demand a lot of time and attention. They don't really do much, and I devote a lot of time and resources to making sure that they are all as happy as possible. If I died, they would probably eat my corpse within minutes. Sure, I get a dopamine hit when I pet them, and sure, occasionally the cats even seem to like me, but the fish exist only to entertain the cats. 
And don't get me started on the dog. She is constantly trying to eat as much garlic and plastic as possible. The struggle is just keeping her alive. Am I being used? If one of them wanted to replace my tongue, I'd at least consider it. Sounds like a parasite to me. Thanks, Will. So, thank you for the question, Will. Uh, yeah, I think I've gotten a similar question about whether dogs are parasites, and I'm always interested in talking about the nature of our relationships with animals because they're interesting and complicated. So first, let me do a little refresher on what is and isn't a parasite and how biology defines relationships. So any close relationship between two or more organisms or species is called symbiosis. This could be the relationship between bees and flowers or a tick on a dog. Symbiosis describes a whole variety of relationships from mutualism, where both organisms benefit, such as the bee and the flower, to parasitism, where only one organism benefits at the expense of the other, like that tick on your dog. In between these two poles is another type of relationship called commensalism, where one organism benefits while the other has a neutral outcome. So an example of this would be the cattle egret, which is a bird that hangs around ungulates, hooved mammals, and waits for them to walk around and graze on grass, at which point the egret will eat the insects fleeing the cattle. So the cattle doesn't really benefit, but no harm comes to the cattle while the egret benefits. And this is a commensal relationship. So relationships between organisms and animals is not typically simple, and this can result in a lot of debate about the nature of a relationship. So an example of this is whether oxpeckers are parasites or mutualistic. We actually just talked about them on the show. They're those birds who eat pests off the backs of rhinos and other large mammals, but they also occasionally, occasionally drink some of their host's blood. And whether they benefit their host more than they harm them may be up to some debate. So, are pets parasites? Are they mutualistic or commensal? One approach to answering this is to look at the history of doggies and kitties. So, the origin of domesticated pets, such as dogs and cats, may have started out as a commensal relationship. The early wolf ancestors of dogs may have domesticated themselves to some extent, with only the most calm, unafraid, and non-aggressive wolf-like ancestors venturing near human camps to eat things like discarded food left behind. This would have benefited these early wolves while not really affecting humans one way or the other, which would have made it a commensal symbiosis. But our relationship changed as humans may have started to interact with these proto-dogs more, maybe sharing food with them intentionally, making them more dependent on us, maybe even selecting the proto-dogs least likely to bite us. And over time, we really did domesticate these dogs. We engineered them even more precisely to do things like herd cattle or kill rats, protect us, and, you know, entertain us, be our companions. So it could be a case that 
these very early wolf-like ancestors had a commensal relationship with us that turned into a mutualistic relationship over time as we started to capitalize on what dogs could provide for us. Cats actually probably were more likely to start out with a more mutualistic relationship with us because they were probably drawn to human settlements due to the rats and mice that were eating our food stores. And if they were eating the rats and mice, we would have benefited from that pretty immediately. And then, of course, we may have started to give them food intentionally to attract more cats to us because they got rid of rats and mice, which was good for us because it prevented the spread of disease and protected our food. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I mean, it's... Uh, in terms of where our relationships are with cats and dogs now, I would still describe it as mutualistic, both from a biological and, I guess, philosophical perspective. Cat and dog populations are massive compared to their wild counterparts, which really shows how beneficial their relationship has been with humans. And our quality of life as humans has also improved due to the domestication of dogs and cats who have helped our society in terms of tasks like farming, protection, pest control, herding cattle, and on a more or emotional level, they are companions who can make us happier and healthier. And in terms of the <laughs> cats and dogs maybe eating us after we die, it does happen, but that may not really change the nature of our relationship. And let me explain it by talking about our complicated relationship with domesticated animals that we don't typically keep as pets. So while it may seem strange, even our relationship with other domesticated animals could be viewed as mutualism. Even those that we eat, such as cows, pigs, chickens, and sheep, we provide them food, shelter, and mating opportunities while they provide us with meat or maybe even wool and eggs. Uh, in this case, we're looking at the symbiosis between humans and domesticated animals on a species level, not on an individual level. So mutualistic relationships aren't necessarily about the quality of life or morality. It's about whether a species survives. So due to human farming, the chicken population exploded, meaning it's quote-unquote good for the species, but this doesn't mean each chicken has a happy life or that chicken farming is good for the environment or anything else. It's just saying that because humans domesticated chickens and breed them, we propagate more chickens. It's an amoral argument. So while we can describe the biological nature of this relationship as mutualistic, the morality of the situation is more complicated, obviously. So when evolutionary biologists talk about the success of an animal, it's more about the animal being able to reproduce successfully. But giving an animal a good quality of life is more of a moral question. So that's all to say that if your cat or your dog eats your corpse after you die, it actually makes no impact on the existing mutualistic relationship. In fact, compared to our domesticated animal example, it's less impactful because they didn't even slaughter you for your meat. They just patiently awaited your natural demise, which I think is kind of polite. 
So if you are enjoying the company of your pets and they're enjoying yours as well as the food you give them and the fish entertainment and all the love and cuddles, I think you are probably in a healthy mutualistic relationship. And your pets did not pay me to say this. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant based ingredients. Their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com. Next question. Next question. That's my song called Next Question. So here it is. Hi, Katie. First, I wanted to say that I am a big fan of the show. It's definitely my Wednesday treat. Oh, thank you. One question that I've had is, are there animals that work out? I get that some animals may play, fight, or do something similar that builds skills, but do any animals do any kind of activity that solely builds muscle or swolly builds muscle? Get it? Anyways. So thanks again from Christian Thor. That's a very, Thor is a good name for a question about animals working out. So I love this question. Do animals get swole? Do they work out? Do they go to the gym? Do they CrossFit? So lots of animals can be very muscular, but typically it's due to their intense daily lives and maintaining a nutritional diet. Even early humans were probably pretty fit and muscular, but more lean muscles. So as long as we had enough food from the daily walking, running, and physical exertion it took to survive, we probably had a pretty lean, uh, leanly muscled physique. Uh, now, obviously, a lot of humans have cushier lifestyles and we're not forced to walk miles and miles every day or climb things, or jump over rivers, or do long-distance running to chase down prey. So if we want to make sure that we build muscle or stay fit, 
we have to do it intentionally. That said, I don't think that early humans were actually getting swole. They probably weren't building a lot of muscle. There probably just wasn't time or resources to do that, and it didn't necessarily benefit them. They were probably more lithe and sinewy, especially our ancestors in hotter climates who really had to do this long-distance kind of jog running where we would literally just out endurance prey until they tired out because we weren't the fastest, we weren't the strongest, but we were the smartest and most stubborn. So uh, another, this is, I guess, kind of a side note, but the reason we aren't just naturally swollen muscular like gorillas or lean and muscular like chimpanzees is our genetics. So humans actually have a higher body fat percentage than our primate relatives naturally. We have a gene mutation that makes us store more fat as white fat than our ape cousins. So human healthy body fat percentage has a pretty wide range, generally speaking. I mean, I'm not a doctor. Take that in mind. But generally speaking, it's around 14% to over 30%, um, whereas other primates only tend to have around a 9% body fat ratio. So researchers speculate that our ability to turn food into fat stores was important to keep our freakishly huge brains nourished. Instead of burning off fat for warmth immediately, humans store it as white fat and those stores can keep our incredibly big and energy demanding brains fed. So that means that when we don't have to constantly walk or run, and we also have this natural tendency to have higher body fat percentage to like build visible muscle that you can see, you really, it takes this effort of going to the gym, eating a lot, going to the gym. These are not really natural behaviors for humans and they're not natural behaviors for animals. Not being natural doesn't mean it's bad or anything, by the way. I'm just saying it's not, you know, we didn't, we didn't have gyms back when we were nomadic uh, humans. Although it's hard to know, we may have had some kind of sports or fun play activities. Most animals do not have to work out to develop their muscles. They just build them naturally with eating, normal activity, and their physiology, like hormones. So their uh, hormones can regulate their muscle mass and metabolism without them ever having to go on a treadmill. A really incredible example of this are barnacle geese. They go on these mass migrations every year, and you'd think that they would need to work out before going on these long-distance flights, uh, but they do not. Even though they don't work out, their wing muscles and their heart muscles actually get more conditioned and bigger right before their migration without them doing any kind of like extra physical activity. And the reason for this is there's some kind of environmental change that triggers some kind of hormone that changes their metabolism so that they're eating a little more and then that eating converts into bigger muscle mass, more conditioned heart mass, which, you know, doesn't seem really fair, <laughs> probably especially around the holidays where we got to keep track of our heart health and stuff as we're eating all these rich foods and a barnacle goose can just eat a bunch and have good card. It's, it's not fair. It's not fair. But, you know, nature's not fair, I guess. So 
again, back circling back to your question, because I've kind of been <laughs> evading it a little bit. Do any animals work out and strengthen and build muscles? It's a really good question because it's been very sparsely studied. So there was an article published in 2016 in the British Ecological Society that was actually bemoaning the lack of research on whether some animals have to intentionally exercise beyond their normal daily activity. And, you know, other than this, like it, it does actually seem to be kind of a blind spot in research. Admittedly, it's probably pretty difficult to research. The only real evidence that I personally have seen, this doesn't mean it's not out there, so because I, uh, you know, I am, I am fallible in my research ability, but the only real evidence that I've seen are what was a study that put exercise wheels outside, uh, like little hamster wheels outside to see what the wild mouse population would do. And they found that wild mice, undomesticated, just wild little mousies, would use these hamster wheels as free gems. So they loved these hamster wheels. They would get on, they would exercise for no discernible reason. And of course, this isn't really answering the question, do they get swole? You know, do they do this to build muscle? Because we don't really know why these wild mice are doing it. It may be that they are not intentionally trying to work out, but instead they're chasing that runner's high, that release of dopamine that when they run, they get this dopamine rush just like humans do and just like hamsters do in their hamster wheels. And the only other guess I would have of an animal that may work out would maybe be dolphins. And this is a bit of a shot in the dark uh, because dolphins will sometimes jump out of the water. I mean, you've probably seen that, a dolphin majestically leaping out of the water. And researchers haven't really pinpointed exactly why they do this. There are a lot of theories but maybe because this is something that requires so much, you know, abdominal strength and it's it's a, you know, energy demanding activity, maybe it's some form of working out. Uh, maybe they enjoy the physical stunt. There's no evidence for that. Uh, I, that is completely a shot in the dark. But since it is such a mystery what this behavior is, it's possible. So long story short, uh, humans are the only animals that we know of who intentionally work out to build muscle. And early in our evolution, we probably didn't do this. We probably just were <laughs> happy enough to try to retain the amount of muscle mass and fat that we had based on our food source and all of the walking and running we had to do. And this probably didn't make us swole. It probably didn't make us super muscular. That being like super muscular, really muscled, is more of a recent human uh, tradition, I suppose. Tradition? Not really. Uh, you know, act, habit, activity, lifestyle choice? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, and then also genetic mutations gave us a higher body fat percentage than like, you know, uh, primate relatives. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is, we cannot judge our human body types on other animals. Uh, we're unique uh, and our evolutionary history is very unique. And yeah, our our desire to go to the gym and shape how our bodies are, it's kind of a, it's kind of a bit of a strange quirk, I guess, for humans. So yeah, and it's also, you know, probably in terms of human history, it's probably, it's, 
is also a quirk of our current society, you know, like different types of body types go in and out of fashion throughout human history. So, you know, don't be too jealous of barnacle geese is, I guess what I'm trying to say. Actually, I'm pretty jealous of barnacle geese. Anyways. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Next questions, questions in disguise. Okay. Hey, Katie, I love the squirrel episode. I never knew there were so many insane squirrels out there. I have a question. When I was a kid, my mom took a course to become a wildlife rehabilitator. She would bring home orphan baby birds aww, and squirrels aww, from the rescue center, and my brother and I would help feed and care for them. Aww. And then because we lived out in the sticks, we would release them in the backyard. A lot of the critters we set free would come back for handouts. One time, after I'd given one of our squirrels such a handout, I watched her dig a little hole nearby, pretend to put the peanut down, and then made a show of patting all the dirt over the hole with great care. I could see her running away with the peanut still in her mouth. So I went and inspected the hole. It was, of course, empty. At the time, I thought the fool had forgotten to actually put in the nut. Now I see I have been pranked. What kinds of pranks are other animals pulling on each other or us out there? I would love to know that I am not the only fool who fell for one. Thanks. P.S. Because we would sometimes get very small babies, we would have to bring them with us if we were going out to, of the house for too long to keep up with their feedings. One time we had a box of squirrels with us and had to stop at the grocery store, but we couldn't leave them in the hot car. So I dumped all the babies into my sweatshirt before going inside. Even very young squirrels are great at clinging to fabric with their hooked nails, and they were happy to crawl around in my shirt and peek out of my sleeves and collar. 
Many double takes from the other customers happened that day. It was great. Thought you would appreciate that and maybe even think I was cool because the kids at my school definitely didn't. <laughs> Anyways, love the show. I am always very excited for Wednesdays. All the best. Cheta. Thank you so much for that story. I love, oh my God, the little, little squirrels poking out of your shirt. That's, that's incredible. I would have been your friend in school for sure. So yeah, on to your question. I think this was based on the squirrel episode we did a little while back. I have to catch up on emails. Uh, but yeah, no, this is a great question. And the point you were making about uh, the squirrel intentionally not putting the peanut in the hole, that was something we talked about during the episode where squirrels will pretend to dig a hole and pretend to put a nut in the hole. But that is just a trick to keep other squirrels who may be spying on them from knowing where they're burying their nuts. And it is a quote-unquote prank in the sense that they are tricking other squirrels in order to protect their resources. And as you'll see in these other examples I'll bring up of animals pulling pranks, animal pranks usually have some kind of intention other than just sort of the like prank you of human pranks, which are kind of pointless and sometimes mean. I don't know. I guess you can do a non-mean prank, but I, I don't like mean pranks. Don't, don't do mean pranks. I think a really good prank is something you can both laugh at and does not, maybe causes the other person at most a mild surprise, but not, don't, you know, don't upset people. Anyways, these pranks <laughs> are uh, definitely not done out of empathy. So, uh, yes, there are animals who pull pranks, uh, so to speak. Male topi antelopes like to prank females, in short, because they're a-holes. Uh, they want to keep females within their territory as long as possible to increase the chance of mating. If the female begins to wander away due to disinterest, the male will run out in front of her, looking in the direction of where she's going while snorting, stomping, and keeping his ears alert, pretending as if a predator were lurking in that direction. And it's just a ruse to keep the female from leaving his territory. The males will only do this fake warning behavior when the females are in heat, demonstrating how targeted it is towards tricking their mates into staying longer and maybe mating with them, which I think is a toxic relationship. Girl, you can do better. Get out of there. Dump them. So uh, actually, my dog does something very similar whenever we're trying to leave the apartment. Every single time we try to leave the apartment, she'll start growling. Her hair will stand on end. She like makes these sort of runs towards the door as if she has spotted some kind of danger outside. And I am 100% convinced that she is doing this as, you know, trying to trick us into thinking there's some danger outside and we have to stay in and stay with her and give her more treats and pets and attention. But I'm on to her. Oh, yes. I'm slightly smarter than a dog. Uh, here's another fun prank of the animal kingdom. Tufted capuchin monkeys which are adorable, cute little monkeys, will do fake alarm cries to trick other monkeys so they can swoop in and sneak food away. So there was a study done that found this was especially true of these scrawnier monkeys who were not able to compete with the bigger monkeys or jock monkeys. 
So these scrawny monkeys, tired of never being able to get the bananas that the experimenters would put in their environment, uh, they would issue these fake alarm calls. Like they, they would cry, cry wolf, like say, hey, there's a hawk or some kind of dangerous predator nearby. And that would distract the jock monkeys long enough that these little nerd monkeys got to go in and grab the bananas for themselves, probably play some monkey D&D, you know, had a good monkey time until the bigger monkeys probably came back and was like, hey, where's my bananas? Anyways, so one man's prank is another man's banana? Yeah, I think that's the lesson. So before we go, I'm going to do... This week's game of Guess Who Squawk and the Mystery Animal Sound Game. So last week's hint was, as adults, they look like a beautiful sunset, but as babies, they just don't want to be someone else's grub. So I'm going to insert the winners here. I am actually recording this ahead of time. I don't know if I'll have my microphone, so it's either going to be my voice with a crappy microphone or maybe Robot Katie saying the winners of last week's Animal Mystery Sound Game. Congratulations to Auntie B, the winner for this week. The answer is the Taiwanese squeaking silk moth caterpillar. These plump, green, fussy babies issue a little squeak when poked. So this sound actually doesn't come out of their mouths, but out of tiny breathing holes called spiracles in their sides that they force air out of like fleshy bagpipes. It's a spherical miracle. The squeak is meant to startle birds or other predators in the hopes that they will leave them alone. So very cute squeaks, just like caterpillar bagpipes. So on to this week's sound. The hint is this is a trio of big babies who really wish you understood their point. Well, good luck guessing that one. Um, the answer will be revealed, uh, let's see, either next week or, well, next week I might play a classic. So if I do play a classic, the actual answer will be revealed two weeks from now. Don't worry, you'll find out what this mystery animal sound is. And hey guys, I really hope that you've all had good holidays and that your next year is filled with wonderful wonderful times wonderful good times uh and i really appreciate what you guys have done for me in terms of listening to my podcast it means so much to me i really enjoy doing this and i, I really love hearing from you guys all your animal guesses all your questions it warms warms my warms my heart which is probably full of parasites but you know still warms it uh, so thank you so much for listening. If you think you know the answer to this week's Animal Mystery Sound Game, if you want to write in a question or just say hi, you can email me at creaturefeaturepod at gmail.com. I can sometimes be a little slow in responding to things, but I try to get there eventually. Uh, you can also, hey, hang out at on the Twitter website, creaturefeetpod. Uh, that's F-E-A-T, not F-E-E-T. That's something very different. I'm also on Instagram at Creature Feature Pod. Uh, and thank you so much 
for listening. If you're enjoying the show and you leave a rating or review, I read all of the reviews, every single one of them. I print them out. I like toss them on the bed like it's a big pile of money. And, and I go like, like I'm rich, baby. And I toss them up in the air like I'm that kid from Blank Check Movie. Remember that movie? That was decent direct to VHS movie. Anyways, uh, and thanks to the Space Cossacks for their super awesome song, Exalumina Creature Features, a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or hey, guess what? Where you listen to your favorite shows? See you next Wednesday. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between, like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.